And we are ready for the second hour. You heard a lot of news in the first hour. We talked about Florida, talked about Milrose starting this week, so many other things. Michael Bratton will be joining us in a moment. And this is the headline that has everybody in the Sunshine State buzzing. It validates your plan why everybody owes Billy Napier an apology. Does everybody really owe Billy Napier an apology? That is the question that we say hello to Michael Bratton from that SEC podcast. Michael, <laughs> apologies can be pretty cheap these days. Um, but do you, do you agree with that, uh, that argument that we really do need uh, all of those who have been dared to be critical really owe Billy Napier an apology? Well, let's see him beat Vanderbilt before we crown this guy, Paul. <laughs> I mean, he, that's a team he's not uh, beaten yet, and and all he really did was eliminate Florida from the Deion Sanders sweepstakes. So, I mean, maybe, uh, you know, who really won on Saturday? But, no, I, I kid. That that was a, a master class of coaching. That was, Honestly, that's the first time that I can sit here and think that Josh Heupel got outcoached as Tennessee's coach there going in. Uh, this is his third year. On Rocky Top, his his team looked clueless. They looked out-schemed, outmanned, outmatched against a team that they were favorites on against on the road. So, yeah, this is the biggest win so far of the Billy Napier era. I, I think even over that Utah opener that it, I think was a little smoke and mirrors. That was just Anthony Richardson being elite that day. But uh, this was a manhandling. This is the blueprint. Uh, but again, I'm not I'm not quite ready to crown Billy yet. He's got he's got to beat Kentucky. He's got to beat Vanderbilt. Those are games Florida fans expect to win, yet they've not done it here recently. Yeah, I mean, this, this is a program who a lot of a lot of pretty average coaches have beaten Tennessee in the swamp. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, I thought that was the expectation. Now we're crowning the guy. No, I, I'm not ready to go quite there. But he absolutely proved me wrong, at least in this matchup. I thought Tennessee would cruise. Uh, this, this left me with more answers or, or, excuse me, questions about Tennessee than it did really anything else. Talking to Michael Bratton, so many other uh, puzzling uh, events on Saturday, but none after a win uh, that has caused as much conversation other than Dion, Nick Saban's quarterback decision-making uh, ha has been the talk of the country. I know you've been tough on this program. We saw you in Nashville two weeks ago, and you maintained your theory that this is a decaying dynasty. What do you make out of it now? Yeah, I mean, I last I checked, Larry's not called in. Is he still in hiding? I mean, that, that kind of sums it up better than I can. Uh, this this is truly even I, Paul, who who was forecasting this dynasty being over and done with, and it has been for a while. But not even I, Paul, could have imagined it would have sunk to these depths. I mean, South Florida's a pathetic, pathetic program. I, I believe four and thirty-nine, or, or four and twenty-nine, their last thirty-three games. Yet they went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Alabama. Alabama had to score at the end there to make it look uh, somewhat respectable. It was not respectable, but now they're flip-flopping quarterbacks week in, week out. Can't wait to see who they start next week against Mississippi State because I don't have confidence in Tommy Reese. Who knows if Kevin Steele's even calling the plays anymore. And as soon as Tommy Reese was hired, that's when I said the day Alabama's Nick Saban's dynasty died, and that has come to fruition. And again, like I said, not even I could have imagined, Paul, that it was this pathetic as it's been so far. You know, Michael, uh, you know what a fan I am. I, I thought you, when you just uh, took Tommy Reese apart, uh, I mean, just, just chewed him up and spit him out a few weeks, a few months ago, you, you were being harsh. You know what I think now? I think you were being too nice. 
mean, and again, this goes back. It's all, it all, it's all on Nick Saban. Again, he's the greatest of all time. Uh, incredible respect for everything he's done. He's been the Darth Vader, not only of the SEC, but in all of college football the last 20 or so years. But the staffing is horrible. And that's what we told you at uh, SEC Media Days. This is the worst staff he's ever assembled. He tried to get a number of other coordinators. He couldn't get them. He tried to get a number of quarterbacks out of the portal. Couldn't get them. This is what they're left to deal, deal with. And this is of his design, his built. They have the same roster virtually as Georgia. And a blind man, Paul, could see a difference between Georgia and Alabama when they take the field. It's night and day different. And like I told you, it, they're probably going to go nine and three. I, I, again, maybe I was being too conservative because uh, after what we saw on Saturday, I think eight and four, seven and five might even be in the cards for Alabama. Seven and five. <laughs> I mean, Paul, did you did you watch the same game I watched? I, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I did. I did watch the game. Um, it, it was hard to see because they were filming from uh, what looked to be disposable <laughs> cameras in the upper deck. But I mean, it was just awful. This this offensive line, this vaunted offensive line, we kept hearing so much about. I mean, it's one of the worst in the SEC. They still got LSU. Okay, okay, I, uh, Brat, as uh, Larry will call you this afternoon. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to go, and we don't need a, a we, we don't need a Joe Tessitore uh, thesis on each one, but. Starting with Ole Miss, uh, win or loss? It's a must win, and I think they will because Kiffin can't coach in a big game. Okay, three and one. We've got at Mississippi State. That's a win. At Bobby Petrinoville. <laughs> That's a big loss. I think A&M wins it easily. Home, home to the artist formerly known as Sam Pittman. If he's still there, that, that's a win for Alabama. Against your good friend Josh Heupel and company, at home. Ten, I got to go Tennessee. They've they've owned them. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> LSU loss, Kentucky loss. Chatt- they'll get one against Chattanooga in the in the maybe the final game of Nick Saban's career. They'll lose in the Iron Bowl to Hugh Freeze. I don't believe it. I, I don't, mean, Brad. I don't believe it. And I'm giving them the Ole Miss win, Paul. Which. Again, if, if they lose to Ole Miss at home, first conference game of the season, the, the wheels are going to fall off. They have no excuse to lose this team. This is Pete Golding. Nobody wanted him. We hate Pete Golding. We've upgraded from Pete Golding. Oh, yeah, by the way, our defensive coordinator apparently has been replaced after two games. Uh, Lane Kiffin, again, he can't coach in a big game. There, there's just there's no excuse. There's probably not a player aside from Judkins, who they've probably tried to steal as well, that Nick Saban would take over one of his own on that roster, this game's at home, no excuse to lose this game, yet I, I don't have confidence in Alabama to win it. Why, why do you think Lane Kiffin started all this stuff up about Kevin Steele when, I mean, we all know Kevin Steele was, was essentially a placeholder for Jeremy Pruitt. I mean, I, does this make any sense to you? Well, you know, one thing we've not heard a ton about, Paul, there's a, apparently a $40 million lawsuit against Kiffin and Ole Miss. So I, I think this was deflection on that. Uh, I also think this is him needling Saban and, and giving something for him, a headache to deal with all week. Because even if this was true, that they've replaced Kevin Steele and T-Rob's calling the place, I don't know why you would release that information that you had it. I, I would let that be. But uh, I think this is just Kiffin playing mind games. Talking to Michael Bratt. Ton uh, of, of that SEC podcast. Um, 
I'm swimming through here because there's so many uh, places to stop. You mentioned you mentioned Arkansas for a second. Uh, I didn't I didn't hear warm words for Sam Pittman's future. I mean, I love him, Paul, but uh, what what are we doing here? We're losing a BYU at home. Last year we lost to Liberty at home, and we were supposed to be an improved team heading into this. They're about to head into a gauntlet here, Paul. Again, they're going to LSU night game here on Saturday. That all of a sudden this that looks like a must win, and after looking foolish like I tend to do from time to time. LSU looked looked awful in the opener. It appears they have turned it around, and I, I think they'll be of the caliber I anticipated. So I think LSU probably creams them again. Uh, A&M, that, that's a big one for Arkansas. I, just, I don't see many wins on this schedule if they cannot beat BYU at home, and, it, and it, it's Pittman's baby, unfortunately. It's that offensive line because they, they've got all the other pieces. The defense looks a lot better. I have a ton of respect for K.J. Jefferson. Rocket Sanders, is, is he's been MIA, but they've got pieces. But it's the offensive line. You just can't win in this league without an offensive line. And I, I thought that's what was Pittman's specialty. I'm, I'm just not seeing it. Is it time for everybody to get off Eli Drinkwitz's uh, back? I mean, I mean, other than a minor snafu at the end of the game, which cost his kicker five <laughs> yards, they still came out with a big win. Yeah, and how about it, Paul? I mean, the biggest win he'll probably ever get as Missouri's head coach. And what does he do? He comes right out and, and calls out the fans for booing his quarterback, which is who has played horribly up to this point. So uh, there, that was an opportunity for, for Drink to rally the fan base. He went a different direction. We'll see, uh, you know, if that comes back to bite him. But uh, they got to be careful here not to not to get too big. Memphis, that's a tricky game. Vanderbilt, and then that huge matchup, LSU. We talked about maybe college game day for that LSU game. I, I think that's kind of realistic now if, if LSU and Missouri take care of business in the next couple of weeks. Again, maybe this is a, a dream season for Missouri, but uh, I'm going to have to see a little bit more before I buy into that. Let me land on Georgia here for a second because you know, injuries are, have hurt them, uh, but they're still Georgia and the expectations are through the roof and they, they, they look pretty average in the first below average in the first half on Saturday. What did you see? Right. Anyone voting Georgia number one in the country, Paul, is uh, I, I think their vote should be taken away. And I realize that's that's probably a bold comment, but they've not been the number one team in the country. Now, they did look like it in the second half, to your point, They but they looked awful in the first half. So are we rewarding you for what you did in, in one half of a ball game against an undermanned South Carolina club? I'm not. So Georgia still should be the favorite in the East and the entire SEC, for that matter, unless LSU really gets going here. But they have not earned that number one ranking. They're, they're living off reputation. I thought they've looked rather poor the entire season uh, up until that second half where they dominated South Carolina. But they have got something to prove, and I'm, I'm starting to wonder if all the hype, and there's let's call it what it is, Paul, there's been a lot of off-the-field issues, and, and the fact that coaches are getting arrested down there in Athens, it, it, it tends to... To, to have me believing that there's a lot of distractions in Athens and, and maybe the, the weight of this expectation is, is coming down on this team a little bit. Finally, Michael, I, I mean, no matter where I go and I know where you go, uh, everyone is just uh, taking shot after shot at the SEC. And I, and I understand the reality that it's been uh, a bumpy three weeks, but uh, who is the best team in the SEC if Georgia doesn't deserve to be number one and everybody else has flaws? Well, it ain't Alabama, so <laughs> we, can, we can say that. But I, I think we're left with LSU at this point, and that's that's troubling because they did, you know, they had their opportunities in the FSU game, but they got humbled. And 
would they cave after that? I mean, they, they got humbled last year as well on, on multiple occasions, and they bounced back. They looked red hot on Saturday. So I think LSU right now is that, is that team to beat in the SEC. But you're right. I mean, it's I'm the biggest SEC homer out there, Paul, and I can't even uh, swamp Kings this thing and, and put a bright picture on, on what has become of the league this season. It's, it's been awful. But again, it doesn't matter what you do early in the season, or as I call it, preseason, non-conference. It matters what you do late in the season. It matters in a playoff time. And I think the SEC will bounce back, probably have two more teams in the college football playoff after everything's said and done, and they'll just win another national championship. That's all. Michael Bratton, thank you so much, Michael. We appreciate your time, as always, here on a Monday. And uh, I'm sure Larry will be calling to uh, complain that we had Brad on again. More of your phone calls right after this. 